0: All right, good morning, everybody. Everybody doing good? All right. So, welcome back to Celebration Center. Again, I said it last week, I'll say it again. I love the name of this place. I love that we get to celebrate together, and it really is a joy to see you all with me here in this morning, here in the building, and everyone online. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see you there as well. Now, we've started um, a new series called Focus. I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14 as we get prepared to dive in. And uh, before we do so, uh, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that we get to talk more today about shifting our focus and making sure that we're focused on you. So God, I pray that as we're here today, uh, you sit in every chair. You sit with every person. God, social distancing doesn't qualify for you, right? You get to be here with us, close with us, a part of us. God, and I pray that you're seen in everything we do and that you touch every heart today. We thank you. We love you. And everybody said, Amen. amen. All right. So Last week, we started to lay down the foundation for our focus, and we really uh, talked about shifting our focus to our thoughts. Are they positive? Are they negative? What are we really allowing in our lives that's going to you know, really shape the way in our attitudes and our hearts, right? Well, today, we're going to talk more about focus and aligning our focus to be on Christ. Uh, because last week, you know, we talked about our thoughts. Today, we're really going to talk about our eyes, and how our eyes have a big part to play in the direction that our, that our lives take. And our thoughts and eyes, they have similarities, but they also have some differences. Now, how many of you would say that you're good at multitasking? All the girls, right? There they go. Yep. Got guys, some of you may have went like this, and your wife looked over like, no. <laughs> Hand goes right back down, right? Not the multitasker. I like to tell people I can multitask, but then my wife tells me, no, I can't. And then I say, what did you say? Because I wasn't paying attention when she was talking to me, right? But truth is, you can't 100% multitask on two things at the same time, right? As good as you say you are, you can't give two things 100% of your focus. You, you may think you're good at it, and you can get two things done, but at one point, something's getting 80% of it, something's getting 20, something's getting 90, something's getting 10. Two things cannot get 100% all the time. One task is going li- to lose a little bit of your focus. Now, focus that we're talking about, this is the center or, of interest or the activity. Right, the center of interest or the activity, and this whole series is going to be talking about how our ultimate focus needs to be centered on God and the things of God. But when we try to split that with things of the world, like selfish ambition or things that really distract us, that's when things start to fall apart. Pride starts to get in. Our focus starts to shift. Now, sometimes it can be the slightest, smallest thing that maybe you didn't quite see because you weren't looking for it and everything changed. So the shift of your focus can change everything in an instant. Shifting your focus focus can change everything in an instant. And as you think about that, I actually have a a clip I want you guys to to do and and keep count the way he tells you to and see if you guys can do this. (laughs) How many of you have seen that video before so you knew the moonwalking bear was coming? Yeah, a couple of you. (laughs) But, But it's crazy, I remember the first time I saw that, I rewound it to the beginning to make sure they weren't pulling my leg, right? It's like, no way and then it shows the moonwalking bear go through. But it's crazy how when they point out the bear, the next time you see that video, you will never not see that bear again if you ever see that video. Your focus will, you'll know what you're looking for and how it changes everything in the video. The point was not the passes of the ball, it was seeing something that you didn't even know was there in the first place. Shifting your focus can change everything in an instant, permanently as well. Now, when I lived in California, we also had a mountain. You know, crazy, right? We had a mountain. Now, in comparison, it is nothing compared to Mount Rainier. Absolutely nothing. And it's actually funny saying this mountain's name in church. It was Mount Diablo. Mount Devil, right? Mount Diablo. But I lived really close to this mountain. And every day on my way home from work, I would get off the freeway and I would drive alongside Mount Diablo. It wasn't too far away. It was right there. And it was pretty cool looking. And Mount Diablo is super fun to go up to. You get to drive up there, and you get to, there's a place called Rock City where you get to climb around. There are a lot of fun things to do on Mount Diablo. And we didn't have the phrase, she's out, because Mount Diablo, he was always out. He was always there. But my daughter Aurora always wanted to go back to Mount Diablo. She's like, we got to go back. And she would say, Mountain Diablo. There was no mount, it was Mountain Diablo. Got to go to Mountain Diablo. And so we're driving by this mountain all the time. And one day, I'm in the car by myself driving home, and I look over, and I see the mountain, and I start to focus on the mountain. Driving, I'm like, we got to get up there. Aurora would have so much fun. And I'm totally just daydreaming on this mountain. And then I hear a screech. I then shift my focus where I should have been. The car in front of me hit their brakes. I hit my brakes, not quick enough. And I hit the car in front of me. No injuries, but, I mean, other than the car. (laughs) The car is a fender bender. But I remember thinking, oh, no. My car is now hurt, I get out, the lady was okay, I was okay, we went on our day and everything. And was, It was enough to where we had to file an insurance claim because there was damage to both of our cars, but at the same time, it was like, man, I got caught daydreaming, why did this happen? I lost focus of what I should have been looking at, right? If I would have focused on the road in front of me, in that instant, everything would have changed, I would have been able, because she hit her brakes, because the car in front of her swerved and hit his brakes, and I was the one that didn't react fast enough, because. I wasn't focused, and I caused the accident. Now, if I had stayed focused, it could have turned out much different. Today, I want to look at a story in Scripture where we see a disciple, and most of us are familiar with this story, but we'll see how his shift in focus changed everything in that instant because today, it's all about focusing on Christ, focusing on Christ. Now, this ultimately is where our focus should be from the get-go, right? But as you're going to see in this story with Peter, He's going to lose focus, and something's going to happen that we'll really unpack altogether today. So Matthew chapter 14, we're going to be looking at verses 22 to 33, but we're going to break it down into chunks and talk about the chunks separately. So Matthew 14, starting in 22, it says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Now, early on in this passage, we see uh, Jesus, he asked the disciples, get into a boat, cross the lake. He had just finished feeding 5,000 people, so they do, right? They're, all right, Jesus, he says he'll catch up. It doesn't say how he got into the logistics of how he was going to catch up. He certainly didn't tell them what he was about to do next. But they're out on the water, and sure enough, what happens when your fearless leader sends you on by yourself? Disaster, right? Disaster strikes, the wind comes and the waves come. Fear starts setting in for the disciples as the boat's getting tossed around and Jesus is nowhere to be seen yet, right? Can you imagine what's going through their minds? Where's our captain? Where is Jesus? He knew the storm was coming and he sent us out into it on purpose. There's probably someone on the boat shouting that out, right? But however, things don't exactly play out the way that even you may think because when they see Jesus, what happens? They get even more scared, they see him on the water and they are freaked out. First, Starting in verse 25, it says this, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Just visualize that. In the middle of a storm, he's walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now, back in, in Bible times, there, were lo- there was lots of superstition when it came to shepherds and sheep and then fishermen and boats on water. Lots of ghost stories on the seas. In fact, lots of unknown events in Bible times were attributed to people with ghost stories and superstitions. So when they see Jesus walking on the water, stories of ships lost on water, ghosts on the sea in the storms. This is what floods their minds. This is why they shout out, it's a ghost. It wasn't just a gut reaction like, what is it, a ghost? In their mind, this is a very logical, we hear about ghosts, there it is, and they are freaked out. And once Jesus starts speaking, what's the first thing he says? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And this is such a a key to our walk with Jesus and it may seem obvious, but, but it's so, so key to the very things we deal with to be able to look and have Jesus tell us, hey, don't be afraid. Because there are lots of things that we get afraid of, right? We get, there's fears of failure. There's fear of change, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of literally sinking in a storm that you are engulfed in right now in your life because you cannot see past what is going on in your moment. A storm of the world with no end or recovery in sight let me ask you this, though. When you're in a storm, maybe there's a lesson to learn. Ask yourself these questions. Do you think there is any storm that touches your life that God doesn't know about? Do you think there's any storm in your life that touches you that God doesn't know about? Or, take it one step further, do you think there's any storm that touches your life that God cannot handle? Do you think there's anything in your life God cannot handle do you think there's any storm that touches your life that doesn't have a purpose? Anything that doesn't have a purpose. Do you think there is a storm that touches your life that shouldn't teach you something about you? You're shifting the focus and looking inward, right? Is there something that makes you look at you? And then this last one. Do you think there's a storm that touches your life that shouldn't teach you something about your Lord? There's this great Charlie Brown comic strip where it shows Charlie building this massive sandcastle on the beach. And he's standing there, and in one frame, he's standing there just looking at his glorious sandcastle. If you ever spent you know, a lot of time building a sandcastle, you have the sense of pride, right? Look at this thing. And in the next scene, a wave comes, takes the whole castle out, and it goes back, and then you see Charlie Brown just standing there with nothing. And I love the caption. He says, I know there's a lesson in this, but I'm not sure what it is. Sometimes maybe that's you. You think something just came and hit you hard. But in that moment, it comes to shifting the focus, right? Saying, okay, it's not, why did this happen? It's, what am I supposed to learn from this? What What am I now to say, all right, all right, God, that just happened. I believe you're a part of all these things, so what now am I supposed to take from this instead of wallowing in fear of what just happened? I believe that when it comes to focusing completely in Christ, there are lessons that we can all focus on, things we can all learn about ourselves and about God and what's happening in our lives. Because... <clears throat> Because he has a part of all these things. And I think that as we focus on these lessons, we'll see there are things that do not have a place for us because they will cause us to shift our focus off of him. And the first one is fear. I believe in our lives, there's no place for fear. No place for fear. Now, Jesus sought this immediate uh, attention, this immediate detail with his disciples, right? They're freaking out, the boat's tossing, and he says, do not be afraid. And there's a significant reason as to why they were simply asked to do this is because they were in the middle of literally a lack of the presence of Jesus. They were looking around their boat, looking around, and they saw that he was not there, at least physically, and they were freaking out. They didn't have direction. They didn't have security. They didn't have the hope of being able to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, wake up. <laughs> we're, we're in a storm right now. They were afraid for their very lives because the one who had told them to go do something, they weren't looking at anymore. And this seems like a logical reaction, right? When, when panic sets in, to, you know, you, you, when you don't have a savior to turn to, this is where it goes. Without your ultimate hope, without the person who can hold security, that's where we can tend to go, which is why it's so important in these moments to keep our focus on him. Because in these moments where we lose control, where we say, man, I don't know how we're going to get through this, all seems lost, if you're not looking at him, you'll start acting like all is lost, and you'll make decisions that will lead to all being lost, instead of someone who can lead you to ultimate life and hope. We can't focus on the problem, we have to focus on the problem solver. Don't focus on the problem, focus on the problem solver. And maybe you've been there before. Um, I know most of you most likely have been there before. You're, You're engulfed so much in something that that is all consuming to your focus. How do I fix this? How, what is going on right now? that You can't see outside of anything else because you are focused on the problem and you're not really looking at what is Jesus going to do in you through this problem? How is Jesus going to get you out of this problem for his glory? And how is it going to enhance things for you because you trusted him? And it's hard to focus that way sometimes. I know in my life, this is a, it's a hard story for me to share. Um, when I was in the second grade, I had a little brother that was born. His name was Casey. And he was two years old. So now going to the fourth grade. Casey's two years old. But when he was born, the doctors told my parents so a few few months after he was born. He was born with a very rare syndrome, and Casey, they said, would never be able to talk. He would never be able to walk. He couldn't even eat. Uh, he had a feeding tube that was put in, and they said he would have seizures. He had a, it, It's it sounds bad. It was it was an ordeal that we went through with Casey. And he had a suction tube that we would have to put in his throat if he started coughing on saliva because he, he couldn't do much. And, but he wasn't a vegetable, per se. But, um, but Casey, one of the things I loved about my little brother Casey was his smile. It was the best. And when we would go and see him and we'd lay down next to him, he would have the biggest smile and he would light up. And so much joy came from this little, this little two-year-old boy, except when my sister practiced the violin. There was no smiling. There was no joy for Casey. Other than that, Casey was just joy. Now, when he was two years old, he got pneumonia. And because of his syndrome, pneumonia ultimately led him to be with Jesus. And I remember in that moment thinking, "I, I was definitely focused on the problem. And I was afraid. I was afraid of, what is my life going to look like now without my little brother? It was really, really rough, really hard to see the good or what possibly good could come from this. I remember being afraid for our future as a family. What is this going to do to us? And for a season, I was afraid for my dad. My dad stopped going to church for a little bit. He flat out, he he told us he was mad, he was angry, and he just was done. And he didn't want to pray. He didn't want to go to church. And I remember being afraid for my dad, who was a pastor who was a youth pastor, who was my rock for my faith growing up, seeing him go through that made me afraid. And then there was a shift. I remember, remember, I'm only only in the fourth grade, but I had this amazing moment with God where God was really just asking me, Dustin, do you trust me? Do you trust that I've got this? Look at me through this. Trust in me through this. Focus on me. And as I started focusing on God, I saw some things start to shift. I saw that I really, really loved kids, not just my little two-year-old brother, but it really showed me, Casey showed me an incredible love that I don't know if I would have seen had I not focused on God and what he showed me through Casey. And that ultimately led me down this path where I started volunteering with kids and children's ministry. Long story short, through that, I became a children's pastor. And ultimately, I stand before you now as the pastor here. But, but it was crazy with that shift, when it, when it shifted from, I'm not going to focus on the fear of the unknown, the fear of the problem. I'm not going to focus on the problem solver. And what is Jesus showing me through this? And, man, he showed me an incredible work through my little brother, Casey. And uh, just to bring it up, my my dad is a strong man of faith, does go to church. and, And I look up to my dad in so very many ways. But it was a scary season going on that. A shift in our focus can make our problems look so much bigger than our problem solver, though. If we focus on Jesus, we'll see that he can work through our problems and make an amazing miracle happen regardless of what happens. Now, fear will look many different ways in the middle of a storm. I had the fear of unknown with my brother. Uh, But it may be different for others. Some of us, uh, the storm that you're going in may cause you to look at the past, right? Something may happen and you think, man, am I I looking at, did I cause this? (laughs) Is this a result of something I did? Or a fear of not knowing what's going to happen in the future? if you're even going to have one because of something going on. Who knows what's going to happen because of your circumstances? But for Peter and the disciples, this storm caused a very present, immediate fear, anxiety in the present, not knowing how they would respond. Now, I think it's important when we face a storm, it's important to make this decision before we're even facing it. Make this decision now before you go into storms. Revelation 22.13 says, "'I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, beginning and the end.'" Make the decision to know that going into a storm, Jesus is standing in that storm. He is standing right there. I love that when you think about the the disciples on the boat. When they are in the middle of the panic, they look into the storm and they see Jesus literally walking on the storm. What is your problem that that you're going through in life? Not like I said, said that wrong. It's like, what's your problem? I didn't mean it that way. Whatever problem you're having in life, know that Jesus can walk all over that problem. And it's no big deal to him. He is the constant person that you can set your sights on in the middle of anything. And what does he say to you when you see him? He says, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Much of that anxiety and fear Matthew 14 was the disciples not knowing how they would respond when the time came. We have to make the constant decision to know when and if a storm comes in my life, I already know that when it comes, I'm going to look at Jesus regardless of the pain regardless of the circumstance, regardless how hard this may be, I'm going to choose to look through it and see Jesus standing in the midst of it. And he can keep our focus there and not let us get distracted. When we move past the initial fear, the next thing that we'll see that try to steal our focus though, so we we, we recognize that there's fear, then we see there's no place for distractions. Distractions. Now, I shared last week. I'm the squirrel person. Like, you know what's that going on? Squirrel. I look that way. Get distracted easily. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can see that He can take away distractions. Picking up, uh, continuing in verse 29, it says this. Then Peter got down off the boat, walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink. He cried out, "Lord, save me!" Now. There are many different distractions that we all face. looks different for everybody. But but the truth is, whatever the enemy of your soul cannot destroy, he will do his best to distract. Whatever Satan cannot destroy in you, he will say, well, I'm just going to get you to look the other way then. I can't take it from you, but I'm going to get you maybe to veer off course a little bit and do my best to distract you. And we saw this earlier in Matthew chapter 4. We talked about this a couple months ago with Jesus in the desert and the temptations. What did Satan do? He came. And he tried to shift the focus. The enemy will try to shift your focus just like he tried to shift Jesus in the desert. We talk about now, we have Peter in the waves, right? That was a a distraction. It shifted Peter's focus. We have Jesus in the desert. The devil, literally the devil, trying to shift his focus, trying to get him to question his identity in God, to question his motives and what he was here for. But Jesus ultimately used the word to rebuke the devil. Satan knew he was not going to be able to destroy the son of God. He knows this. You know, Satan, there's, there's a misconception that people say, well, the devil's just dumb. He's not dumb. He knows what he's doing. He's a master of lies, a master of manipulation. He knew he wasn't going to be able to kill God, go after and destroy the Son of God. So what he said is, I'm going to try and get him to shift his eyes this way. I'm going to try and get him maybe to think about doing something else. And once if he does, then I can start feeding into those lies. I can start feeding into the deception. And it'll come at us the same way. Anything that he can't destroy, he'll get us to try and just look away. Just a little bit. Some of the best lies have a, little, some, a bunch of truth in them and just one thing that's off, right? He may get us to look at those things. And he was trying to prevent what would happen, what we'd, what we'd see would happen with Jesus and Peter in the water. Now, the Bible says that Jesus went to pray to the Father so many times. There's so many times in ministry where we see this, Jesus going and praying to the Heavenly Father. And this is what I think he did to model his disciples. says, hey, look, I'm going to God. Things are getting hard for me. What am I doing? I'm going to God. I'm getting tempted. What am I doing? I'm going to God. And now the disciples get the chance here. Hey, there's a storm in your life. There's something coming at you. What are you going to do? Focus on God. Focus on Jesus. How is temptation? How is the world? How is the enemy maybe caused some of us and distracted us recently? This caused us just to shift our focus a little bit to where we're no longer looking at the things we talked about last week, the things that are good that Paul talks about in Philippians. For Peter, his distractions were quite literal. They were the wind and the waves happening all around him that he could not stand on anymore, so he thought, right? He lost his focus. Maybe some of us today are living life kind of like Peter, uh, or maybe we're still stuck in the boat. Maybe we're literally in that boat in the middle of the storm we see Jesus, but something's keeping us from literally jumping out of the boat and defying the odds and saying, I can do this because I see you there. What's keeping you in the boat? Is it a fear? Is it a distraction? Is it a matter of not wanting to be rejected for maybe a belief that you have, something that's, that's counterculture maybe or contrary to the culture? Now, Peter understood that Jesus had the power to sustain him, right? He knew it. He had to, if he was gonna jump out on the boat the way that he did. He would only choose to get out of the boat and start walking if he knew Jesus was there and that's why he called out. So he did. And I love it because sometimes this part's overlooked, but Peter was doing it, right? He was walking on the water, The storm was around him. He was walking through the very literal, real problem that was engulfing their boat and freaking them out, and he walked on the water to Jesus. That is incredible. That's an incredible point because it shows that Jesus is the sustainer. Jesus can get you through everything. And then he looked left. Then he looked right. He saw the waves, saw the wind, and he went to find Nemo, right? Just glub, glub, went down. He freaked out because he got distracted. Now, for him, it was those little winds and waves. For us, winds and waves can be a metaphor for so many things that we go on. Maybe it's a relationship. For others, maybe it's a website that you go to to get temporary satisfaction. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's politics. It's protests, things that get you to say, I'm no longer focused on Jesus. I'm now focused on other things. My eyes, quite literally, my eyes are looking elsewhere and not looking at him. And Don't get me wrong, guys. I think paying attention to the social injustices, paying attention to what's going on politically, I think paying attention and being involved in politics is very, very important. But I do think what would happen if we looked through politics, if we looked at people, we looked at protests, we looked at all these different circumstances through a biblical lens, if we literally looked at it through the eyes of Jesus, how would it change our attitudes with it? How would it change our responses with it? How would it change our hearts? How would it change our interactions with people that don't align with us if we can disagree, but we can still come at people through the eyes and heart of Jesus. I think when we decide to let our focus be on him, when we filter our eyes and our gaze through him, we can walk through incredible storms. And I'll tell you what'll happen. When we start doing this, when we see people, we don't just see someone who we disagree with, we don't just see someone who's going through different phase in life, we see a child of God. We see someone who Jesus was on that cross for said, I died for that person. Maybe they don't align with you. You agree differently. That's okay. I died for them too. And we start to let that be what drives our conversations. The love that Jesus has for his people, that becomes our motivator for building relationships with people that are far from God, people that we don't know, people that are different than us. It becomes the all-encompassing love that floods our hearts. We feel compassion, we feel empathy, and we feel love when Jesus is the filter that we communicate through, when our focus is always on him. We find that he sustains through the hardships, he sustains through the difficulties, he sustains through the distractions, and we're able always to see him. Now, in reality, we all have different life circumstances that, that may distract us from our true source, and we can end up sinking sometimes, kind of like Peter did, right? Because where our eyes go, our minds go. Where our eyes go, our minds go, and ultimately our hearts, our bodies, our attitude, the rest of us is soon to follow. But I love what happens with Peter here. He starts to sink, but what we see is that Jesus will catch you when you cry out to him. In the midst of the distractions, in the midst of where your eyes go, and, and when the world just seems like it's going to suck you down, and you're going to sink in this storm, when you cry out to Jesus, he will catch you. The Bible says, he sank, he cried out, and Jesus saved him. And Matthew 14, 31, says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And that is, this is very profound, right? Peter was doing it. He walked on the water. When he shifted, he sank, but he cried out, and Jesus saved him. You know what the greatest part of this thing is? As Peter is sinking, guess who's not sinking? Jesus is not sinking. As Peter is full of doubt, guess who's not full of doubt in the slightest? Jesus, right? When we start to let the world, or we shift our focus and we literally sink into these problems, he is still standing on those problems. He is still the one that is standing up saying, I've got you. And despite our ability to shift our focus away from Jesus, I love that Jesus never shifts his focus off of us. Peter looked left, Peter left, right, Peter sank, and where was Jesus? Right there. Peter cried out. Jesus was looking at him the whole time, said, I've got you and he pulled him up out of the water. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If we can be sinners and know that while we are still sinners, God is still right there looking at you, pursuing you, not taking his focus off of you, man, that is an incredible comfort for me. And it knows that when he's focused on me, all I have to do is shift my gaze and I can be totally focused on him and we can see each other and meet each other in that storm. And Jesus doesn't just catch Peter. This is great too. He doesn't just catch Peter and like drag him through the water back to the boat, right? Doesn't say that, you know, he goes down and starts dunking Peter. Peter, why did you do that? A few dunks and then bring you back up. No, it says he catches him and pulls him up. Jesus pulls him back up and gets him to the boat. This does not mean Jesus is going to let you watch you wallow in your problem and watch you writhe in self-pity. He literally, when you cry out, he can lift you up and walk on that problem with you and show you that he is still God. He is still in charge and he is bigger than whatever is causing you to sink in that moment. When you cry out, not only let him catch you, let him carry you. Let him pick you up. Let him carry you out of that storm and then see what he's doing in your life because of it. After pulling him up out of the water, Jesus calls out, I think, the third reason that we may find ourselves losing focus on Christ and that is doubt. Jesus says that. He says, why did you doubt? Doubt, hesitation, or disbelief is, is very common, right? I don't think there's anyone here in their life where they wouldn't say they didn't have their doubts on something. Even in your walk with, with Christ, right? People have their struggles with their, their faith, and they have moments where I say, God, are you even really there? Can you really hear me? I know that with, with my brother Casey, that was a very real question that, that I asked, and I know that many members of my family asked, like, God, where are you? What, what is this? You know, I, I believe that you can heal. I believe you can restore. Why not my brother? But God didn't heal my brother here. He ultimately healed him at home. And I got to see an incredible healing in my life, an incredible journey my dad went on, my family went on, because this is what happened. This this was the path God laid out for us. And, And I'm not one to say God will hurt you for his glory, but I know God can use any situation for his glory. And he, sure enough, allowed us to take our doubt, cast it aside, and show the reassurance because of the cards that were dealt for us in our life. the thing is, when we doubt, it's what happens inside us and what we do with our doubts that matters, right? Do our doubts let us shift our focus away? Or do we let our doubts give us a moment to grow and seek instead? No matter why you doubt, know this, Jesus is there despite your doubts. Jesus is there despite your doubts. Peter had faith initially, right? He walked on the water. He stepped out of the boat. He saw Jesus. When he saw the waves, he got distracted. The doubts came in, and that's when he sank, right? He started questioning whether or not this could actually be happening, whether that was really Jesus in the storm, whether this was really possible, and that's when things went south for him, and he began to sink. He was doing it until the doubt of his reality set in. Scripture talks about other people that doubt. The famous one we learn about in children's ministry is Doubting Thomas, A lot of us, if you grew up in church, you hear the story of doubting Thomas. He refused to believe Jesus rose from the dead again. He's like, nope, nope, this is impossible. I do not believe it until I see and touch the, the holes in his hands and his side. I don't believe it's him. But just like Peter doubted, Jesus showed up to Thomas and Thomas was reassured and allowed him to shift his focus. There's a common theme in these stories, right? Peter doubts, he cries out to Jesus and Jesus comes to him. Thomas doubts, he stays in pursuit though. Thomas doesn't run away. What Thomas does is he stays with the disciples because when Jesus appeared, he was actually with them in the upper room still. He was still praying and waiting to see what had happened. So he hadn't abandoned and he hadn't, pardon the reference in the story, but he hadn't jumped ship, right? He's still going forward and Jesus shows up to him and says, hey, look at me. Shift your focus to me. Look what I can do. And then Thomas believes and his faith is restored. On the flip side to that, maybe you're at a point where you are jumping ship. Talked about this one a few weeks ago too. After Jesus was crucified, there were two people that did. They were on their way out of Jerusalem. They had abandoned all hope. They said, we are out, Jesus is dead, we are gone. They were encompassed with a life-changing doubt. Who shows up on the road? Jesus. He meets them on the road, and he allows, when he reveals himself to them, they turn around and they go back to Jerusalem. And all that to say, whether you are still in the boat because you have your doubts. Whether you jumped off the boat and then you had doubts, whether you have doubts that are turning you away, Jesus is in all of these areas. He is in every single encompassing part of your life where you say, I have doubts here, I have doubts there, I have doubts there. Jesus goes, look, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm there. I'm at the beginning, I'm at the end. No matter where you are in your walk, no matter where you're struggling with your doubts, what distractions you have, what fears you have, he is right there. He is bigger than any doubt, bigger than any fear, bigger than any distraction, and that's the most encouraging thing in the world. Maybe today you're here and you have those same questions and you have doubts, and maybe you're going through a season in life right now where you're saying, God, are you there? God, why? Why is this happening, God? What is going on? Why am I distracted? Why can't I focus on you? Maybe you feel like you're being tossed around the wind and the waves, Maybe you're distracted by the trouble you see all around you, and it's just causing you to feel distracted because of everything else. You just can't quiet down the world and focus, and your question is just why. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I love this because this verse comes out long before Jesus is here on earth and in the picture. Long before he comes into the scene, the Bible promises God is our strength and refuge, always ready to help in times of trouble. In Peter's scenario, Jesus was right there, close to him. But even in close proximity, Peter still shifted. But even in the shift, Jesus still held. I wonder if uh, maybe today, maybe we we lose our focus on Christ because we're convinced in our situation that he is not there. Maybe you could have gotten to that point where you say, this is too big and I just don't see him here. But I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is closer to you today than you may realize. Jesus is closer and he's a bigger part of every problem, a bigger part in every problem than you may ever realize just because you're not looking for him in there and trusting that he is a part of what's going on. I believe Jesus is close. And I believe that the key to be able to see through the storm, through the waves, through the trials, through the tribulations, through the masks, through COVID, knowing that Jesus is there, Jesus is here God was, God is, God will always be the answer. But seeing him will ultimately take a shift in our focus. What are we going to look at? Are we going to look at the problem or the problem solver? Are we going to look at what life is throwing at us or what Jesus can do with the life that's getting thrown at us? I'd like to invite the worship team back up. And uh, as they come up, I do want to spread an invitation to you guys. If if some of you have never done it, maybe you online uh, joining us today have never done this. Maybe some of you have given your life to Christ and you are looking at him and you know that he is the focus. He is the one that can take you from point A to point B in an incredible way. But maybe you haven't done that yet. Maybe there's a stirring inside you. Maybe, maybe there's something in nudging you and you say, you know what? I, I, I really haven't taken this step yet. Maybe I really haven't decided that Jesus is my focus. Jesus needs to be my focus. He needs to be the one that I decide he is the Lord of my life. I wanna give you just an invitation uh, to pray today and receive God to say, God, I give my life to you and let you be the focus. The world's not my focus. Nothing else in the world can fill a hole in my life that maybe I, I think is there because I want to see you fill that hole because he's the only one that can. I want you to pray with me today. Or if you're online, uh, click the prayer button and someone can pray with you online and, and chat with you and talk you through you giving your life to Christ. But if you, if you haven't done that, I'm gonna pray today. And I invite you to pray with me as we close, just allowing Jesus to come in, to be the Lord, to be our ultimate focus. Knowing life gets hard. Sometimes you may feel like life is all good, but guarantee you it's going to get hard. And life sometimes will get even harder. But never forget that in the hard, in the fear, in the storm, focus on Jesus. Peter knew the only way to stepping out on the boat was to focus on Jesus. And it was going good as long as he had his sights set on him. Let Jesus be our focus. Let Jesus be the reason that we get through everything and shift to him. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for today. And God, uh, I pray for anybody here maybe that hasn't decided yet to to make you the ultimate focus of their life. God, I pray for for those people that they would pray with me when I say, God, we believe in you. God, we, we admit that, that we fault, that we sin. We get distracted. We, we fall short, God, because we are human and we are born into sin. But God, we admit that we mess up. God, we believe that Jesus is the son of God. We believe that he came, lived that life. God, that he lived the perfect life. He died for our sins on that cross, erasing our sins and rewriting our eternity. God, and we choose to follow him. God, choose to make him the ultimate focus of our life. Choose to make him the one that we follow every day, the the Lord and the Savior, the lover of our souls. God, we choose to follow his ways because that is the best focus we could ever have. So God, we thank you. We thank you for this life we have in you. If people prayed that today, God, we thank you for the new life that they have in you and that we get to celebrate a life focused solely on Jesus. We thank you, we love you. And everybody said, amen.